Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Fitter and Faster Coaches Corner. As always, I'm your host, Mike Murray. Today, we're very fortunate to have Coach Ira Klein. Coach Klein has been coaching in Sarasota for the last many years. And today, we're going to open a discussion on versatility and IM training for age group and senior athletes, something that I know Coach Klein is very passionate about throughout his various stops in the U.S. along his storied and legendary coaching career. Ira's going to share some of the insights that he's had over the years in developing both age group and senior level athletes. Coach Klein, welcome to the program. Thank you for joining us on Coach's Corner today. Thank you very much. I'm very pleased and honored to be here. Well, as I mentioned to you in pre-production, I was always reading or was encouraged to read Ira Klein articles in Ask a Journal growing up as a coach, as a young coach in the sport. And one of the things that always stood out for me was you had a real passion for developing a strong IM base with age groupers and senior swimmers in terms of their progression and development in the sport. Talk to me about how you initially came up with that philosophy and why you believe it's so important for athletes to progress. Well, um, you, you know, I have to go back uh, to my start at the Eastern Queens YMCA working with uh, Terry Laughlin. Um, you know, he, he's, he was the guy who got me into coaching, uh, was my original plan. And it's the idea of um, when we swim to different strokes, we use all the different muscles. Um, if we just swim freestyle or we just swim backstroke, you're, you're just using the same muscles. And the aerobic, I, I, and I worked in physiology uh, first in college and grad school, and the energy used in swimming IM, individual medley, uh, is higher than swimming any of the individual strokes. And um, so it just developed a philosophy for me that um, I, I believe in IM training. I think all the swimmers need to know how to swim all the strokes. Uh, it gives some versatility to young swimmers because you never know um, when that uh, breaststroker is all of a sudden going to become a backstroker, whether it's a physical change in their body or just a mental change in, you know, the way they approach it. But you, you give them that opportunity rather than getting stale, just swimming the same thing every single meet. Uh, it's one of the beauties of club swimming compared to uh, high school or college where you really get targeted into specific events. In, in terms of the overall philosophy, I have to, say a lot about Dick Schulberg. Uh, he was somebody who I looked up to uh, and he's still, of course, still coaching. He's coached some of the best IMers the country has had over the decades. And um, just taking the philosophy from him and seeing how well it develops a team overall on the age group level. One thing that I know you tried to do while you were working with the field services department in USA Swimming is encourage club coaches to focus on building a 200 and a 400 IM. And you just mentioned training the IM in practice, but why is it important even for younger athletes to start racing the 200 and 400 IM? Um, well, it it's just gets them uh, in an event that, uh, especially 400 IM, I think is a wide open event, both on the age group level and on the national level. Um, you know, it's come a long way. There's more teams doing it. When you look at what it took to be uh, like top eight at trials 20 years ago to today, it probably has had the most improvement of any of the strokes. But 
um, you know, it's just the overall philosophy that uh, if they're swimming the IM, they're training all the strokes, they're training more muscles, uh, they're thinking about what they're doing rather than just, again, the rote of just doing the same thing over and over and over again, same practice. Uh, in terms of the practice, what I like about it is it allows so much variety to come into a practice. Um, you know, so we do some kind of IM work literally every single day. And talk to me about, you know, when, when you are incorporating IM sets into your workouts, both with uh, whether it's the age groupers on your team or the senior level athletes, there's some variations inside of the main set, but what components are you doing to kind of break down the IM? How do you focus on different strokes and then bring it together in the same workout? Um, well, you know, it's going to vary in all different workouts, but um, sometimes uh, we'll do the straight IM, just 200 IM, uh, 300 IM, 75 of the strokes, or it might be a 50 fly, 75, uh, you know, back and brass, 100 freestyle. Uh, one of my favorites, though, because I, I really believe the key to the IM is the back and breast, all right? It, whether it's two or four, everybody's going to be there wherever they are in the fly and then the free. So we'll do things like um, 50 fly kick on a minute and then a 200, 100 back, 100 breast shooting for uh, your time that you would have in a meet. So, you, you know, knowing what your splits are and then it might be a 50 free kick afterwards um we might do the same thing where it might just be a 50 fly swim 100 of each uh but and again the way you can mix it up 25 fly 75 back 75 breast 25 free with that 150 again being fast in the middle uh we do a lot of that we also incorporate what we call i am switching and that's just swimming 50s going fly back back breast breast free uh, sometimes we'll do, let's say, 1250s. It'll be three kick, three drill, six swim. Other times it might be um, 1850s, where the first three, it's all swim, but the first three might be on 55 seconds, next three on 50, and then the rest of them are all on 45 seconds. You know, of course, the time slot, you know, the time interval will change according to the level. Um, you know, my younger junior swimmers, age groupers might be doing them on 105 in a minute, while my senior swimmers might be doing them on 45 and 40. Uh, we'll incorporate that in our warm up. We might do like three 100 swim freestyle on 120. This is short course, 650s. I am switching on 55 seconds, 275s kick on a minute 30, and do that two or three times. I love it. I love it. I wrote some of that stuff down. <clears throat> and uh, one of the things, Coach, that I appreciated about your language when you're talking about your sets is I am switching. How do you focus on transitions? As you and I both know, and as the world knows, everything happens now at the elite level on the walls, coming off the walls, how we transition fly to back, back to breast, breast to free, specifically now with the crossover turn back to breast. How are you helping your athletes develop those elite level skills in and out of their walls? Well, that's actually one of the things that the I am switching set really helps with because it's just a 50 with that one stroke change. All right. Each time, rather than going like a 200 I am where they're just trying to make it from the back into the breast. And, you know, and I, I 
I, I don't like to say yell, but I got to be loud since I'm outdoors in my coaching. But I get on the swimmers all the time about lazy into the walls and falling off the wall, not pushing off hard. So in some of the sets, we might do the I am switching and the only focus is on the walls, on your turns. All right. Um, I think you have to take time to teach uh, the back to breast turn. And then you have to really push the athletes to practice it all the time. You know, if you read things like uh, The Talent Code by Dan Coyle, um, and he talks about uh, practice what you need to do and practice it right all the time, that if you're doing it wrong, even just a small fraction of the time, it takes like 10,000 hours of proper, you know, instruction to do things right when you're not thinking. And I try to get that point across. Some kids pick it up. A lot of them don't. It's a constant, I don't want to say battle, but um, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. <laughs> that crossover turn specifically, it just takes a lot of time and practice. And one of the things that we talk about with our athletes at Victor is there's the practice version of your crossover turn, and then there's the race version. And you have to be doing the race version all the time. There can't right. be a practice version anymore. Right. Fair to say? Exactly. And, and so we'll try to keep an eye on them because uh, the bigger problem is when they get into that lazy habit and they're going a little too far, right? And they get DQ'd. Um, I, I also do teach, and we call it the suicide turn, where they come in, touch the wall, and flip backwards, right? But, um, and again, I'll let, I have some swimmers who like doing that, I have others who do the crossover turn. Uh, and, and then I still have some who do the regular kick in and I allow that more for the swimmers when they're not holding their underwater sequence or breaststroke properly. And I do what they do, what I call a turtle turn where they pop off, pull down, and pop their head up right away. <laughs> and so if they can't keep stay underwater long enough, then I want them to get more air when they're doing the turn. Coach, you talked a little bit about some of the intervals that you have some of those senior athletes doing. And one thing that uh, Coach Schulberg always impressed upon me when I visited or when we, we spoke, um, or even now when I still email him occasionally is, there's a lot of value in training stroke and IM at an aerobic level. Oftentimes we find a lot of young coaches, especially are training freestyle aerobically. Uh, they're doing longer sets. But, you know, I've noticed that very few coaches are training stroke or IM aerobically. You mentioned doing some IM 50s on 45. It's important to develop that aerobic base within the IM too. Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, and exactly what you're saying, we'll swim IM in sets that are uh, 2,000 yards long. And um, we'll do the send-offs so that it's not an anaerobic set where how fast can you go? And, and it might be 15 100s on the 120, um, you, you know, and even for a high-end athlete, if they're going 105 to 108 and 100 IM on the 120, that's an aerobic set, all right? Um, we also do sets, uh, you know, because my goal is for the swimmers to stay engaged properly to the entire set of workout. Not every swimmer, is able to go in and go, you know, 15 200s on short rest and be able to hold that. But I find if I go four 200s, let's say four 200s, I am on 245, uh, and then we go one uh, 200 freestyle on three minutes 
as a recovery. And we do that three times. So they're getting then uh, 12 200s IM aerobically with just a little bit of rest in between. And I find more athletes can stay focused on a set like that. Um, but yes, we do. I actually, I have a couple of boys that have been challenging themselves. They've asked for this. Um, I've told them before about Schulberg's 10,000 IM swim. Uh, we've gotten up to a 4,000 swim. And we, we, I keep track of their splits and their times. They did a 2,000 to start, um, but we do 800 IMs at times. Um, I used to do uh, the 800 IM uh, way back when I had, um, Adrian Binder, mm -hmm. who was a 440, 400 IM, which in the day was still a pretty good swim. Uh, but, uh, we would go a hundred fly and then we'd go one 400 IM straight, one reverse. So it would be fly back, breast free, free breast back fly, uh, finishing with the hundred fly. Um, and I would time them on that last 100 saying, you know, with the idea, you know, how close to what we should be going in a hundred fly for an IM can we get? They're not going to go long course, let's say 105 or 106, but if I can get them to go even 115 long course, hundred fly at an end of a swim like that, I feel they've gotten a lot out of it. I mean, after 700 meters of IM and you can come back like that, that's a skill, right? Yeah. And we have to teach our athletes not to be afraid of that, you know, not to worry about that 100 fly. Hey, if I can come back 112 to 115 100 meter fly at the end of an 800 reverse IM, yeah. then I should have no problem on the back half of my 200 fly. I'm right. not scared to take out my long course 400 IM. So th those are important skills. Talk to me about that race philosophy, maybe a little bit of the mental side of training IM and being versatile that way. Um, well, in race philosophy for 400 IM, um, I, I tell them in the butterfly, I want you to feel like you uh, negative split. Um, it won't be, but you, you want to be within two and a half to three seconds, first to second 50. And the back breast and free, I want them to even or negative split. I tell them the first uh, 25, think about your stroke. Last 25, think about your tempo. All right. Of course, freestyle, go to your legs. There'll be little changes in there. You know, the weaker breaststroker, I might emphasize to work their walls better, short course. Um, you know, a lot of them, and this is going back to the Tim McKee days of the early 70s, watching 400 IMers, um, you know, and I talk about uh, back and breast, but the key always seems to be the backstroke, that the winning flyer, or IMer rather, uh, it's the backstroke makes that big difference between the two. There's been just a couple of individuals like Jeff Kostoff. He was a backhand diameter, you know, breaststroke and freestyle. And um, I, I find you have too many IMers, both 200 and 400, who take the fly out too hard. And, and that hurts them because then I want their um, fly and freestyle splits to be pretty close. Uh, you know, if, if you're going out in, let's say, 26 for the 50 fly on a 200 IM, uh, you should be coming back in at least a 27 in the 50 free, if not 26. According to, you know, if you're a better flyer, that might not be that tight. And what I learned watching a couple of swimmers that I had back in the 80s was that sometimes the 
200 IMers, the flyers don't breathe enough on the first lap so that when they get to the freestyle, they're already in oxygen debt. So, you know, one of my constant reminders as they're going up is breathe as you go out. You know, you, if you're taking four, five, six kicks underwater and getting right to 15 meters, you better be taking a breath right away because you've already been underwater for six, seven seconds without a breath. Um, and then at the very worst, breathing every other, but not trying to get down that first lap with just one breath or two breaths. No doubt about it. You said something there that really resonated with me and, and something that my two mentors reminded me of. Larry Van Wagner, he had uh, Alicia Humphrey, who, who made the U.S. national team and later won NCAAs at Michigan. Fly split, freestyle split. We wanted to be really close. Uh, I had Bob Clemmer as another one of my mentors. He had Pete Wright and uh, Roy Rojas at, at UVA, both great 400 IM distance swimmers. Same thing. We want to bookend that 200 IM and try to even split the breaststroke, maybe negative split the backstroke. And you mentioned a backstroke leg. It's fair to say that there's a part of that first 50 in the 400 IM that might be a little bit of active recovery after that 100 fly. Uh, I think it's more of a mental recovery. I think you have a lot of the IMers. It's like, okay, um, I just got through the fly. I got breast and freestyle still. I, I got especially the non-backstrokers. Um, and they're not willing to be aggressive in that backstroke leg. Um, and I think that's more so in the 400 IM than in the 200 IM. So that's one of those learning things. It's no different than in like a 200 free or 200 fly, teaching them to push that third 50. You know, you have to teach them to be willing to get after that backstroke leg and be right up there, all right, to then finish the race. What do you think, coach? And I think I heard you say this once when I was a younger coach was in the 400 IM, you have to be in a position to use your best stroke as a weapon. Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, you know, like it, it's going to be, of course, different for every swimmer. Your best IMers are really good in all four strokes. All right. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, one might have a little edge in the backstroke, another one a little edge in the butterfly, in the breaststroke. But I think it's more the way they approach the race. But for the majority of our swimmers, especially our age groupers, um, they're going to have one or two strokes that are a little bit better. And it's getting them to learn how to use that stroke to their advantage. You know, if I'm a stronger, if the swimmer is a stronger backstroker, just an average breaststroker, it's like, well, you want to get water between you and your opponents, especially if you had that breaststroker in there. Um, I learned that because I would swim the 400 IM and I was a breaststroker, all right? And I was the turtle on my back in backstroke. <laughs> Nowhere near the level of the kids I get to coach these days, but that was back in my uh, Queens College Division Three swimming days. And it was like, okay, get me through the backstroke. And I, I could run down these people in the breaststroke. They might have close to a lap on me, you know, uh, but I got to the breaststroke and I would just take off on that. But um, my coach, unfortunately, didn't try to teach me to use my backstroke better or work it more in practice. Yeah, I had a coach where... Most of it was freestyle, and then you only did your stroke. And we didn't have everybody learning everything. Talk to us a little bit, Coach, about training off stroke or worst stroke, or as we like to say, Victor, our developing stroke. Uh, why is that important to incorporate a little bit of maybe not your best stroke, especially if you're a 400, 200 IMR? 
Um, and in my age group program, um, we want everybody to train all four strokes. In our older swimmers, we might have more days where we say um, train and we call it your fourth best stroke. They're all your good strokes, but this is your fourth best. Um, but the one thing we didn't hit on with this is the IMers have to kick all four strokes. They, they not just swim, but in kicking sets, we'll go 12 100s on a minute 40, and I'll say, I want three of each stroke, IM order, all right? But um, it, it is important because uh, the, the human, uh, you know, just our generalities will go to our strengths hide from our weaknesses when given the opportunity. So I think coaches, if you're trying to develop the IM, need to take days where you go, all right, um, the you know weaker breaststrokers over here, let's work breaststroke. Uh, you know, if your weakness is butterfly, let's work fly a little more. But with my age group program, since we do, um, basically we do like a little free and IM every day. And then uh, each day we try to like a, have a fly day, a back day, a breast day for everybody. So we are working all the strokes. But for my older swimmers, uh, we need to have days where I give them a hard set working what their least strength is. I, I really like that. And I heard you mention kicking in the IM. So you mentioned a quick, a quick set there. But what are some things you do to really enforce uh, or reinforce the notion that it is so important to have a good kick in every event this day, this day and age. I mean, we're seeing these athletes, we, when we watch Katie's from the 800 or the mile going out with a six beat kick, and that was unheard of even when I was growing up. So, so talk a little bit about maybe how the significance of kick has changed in the IM events and why it's important to train the kick and maybe some of the things that you do at Tsunami. Well, um, we, we do kicking every day. Uh, I don't social kick. Um, maybe with our youngest swimmers, or if it's a really off day and I'll go, okay, 200 social kick. Those are the days when they think I'm uh, having a mental breakdown or something because I said, go ahead. But um, we kick fast and we kick hard. Um, I give them hard send-offs. Now it might be 250s kick on 45, 250 swim on 45, everybody making the kick. It might be five 200s on three minutes with the first, third, and fifth being all kick and the middle two being freestyle. Um, but, uh, you know, I have to tell them to kick other strokes or they're only going to kick where they're strong. And so if they're a good backstroker, they'll want to kick on their back. They won't work the breaststroke kick. And that's what they need for breaststroke. Um, you know, the breaststrokers who are weak in backstroke, same thing. And so when they're swimming backstroke, their legs are too low, you know, causing too much resistance. Uh, so it, it's something that the coaches need to put into practice at least once, twice a week, um, where I tell them, I, you know, especially my IMers, my senior group, uh, I, I might say just three different kicks. I might say all four different kicks, uh, two different uh, weak stroke kick. But since we kick every day, something between 800 and 1200 yards, um, they get a chance to uh, work all their strokes. And I, we do that because I think it's important. You mentioned incorporating 25's kick inside of a 200. Can you give us an example of something that you would do in that way? Um, well, you know, it, it might be a 25 kick fly and then a hundred 
going 50 back, 50 breast, 25 kick free, telling them work the kick on that. Um, we've done also the opposite, um, you know, 25 swim fly or 50 swim fly on a minute, and then 100 kicking back breast fast, and then a 50 freestyle. So the whole thing isn't fast, but there's a part of it that's fast. We actually have a set today that's going to be 125s, and it's going to go 50 kick, 50 swim, 25 kick all out. All right, and um, and we'll be we'll go eight of those. So um, you, you know, it's a thousand yard set with most of it being kicking. That's that's really good on the legs. And what are you telling your athletes about underwater kicks? Does everybody have a unique number set to them that you're looking for? Is there a general number that you want to see them do? Um, we do a couple of days a week. One of the finishing sets would be 12 or 16, uh, 25s on 30, working or underwater. All right. I allow the IMs and the breaststrokers to do uh, like a quarter of that working their underwater sequence for breaststroke. Other than that, we're looking at the dolphining off the walls on their stomach and their back. And we talk not about how many, but how fast and far they get. You know, we want to get halfway down the pool fast and then they swim easy the rest of the way. And like I said, we do that several times a week and coming into our big meets right now, we do that almost every day just to keep working it. I have some of the swimmers who have the socks and put the socks on and I think that's fine. I don't have it yet for everybody, but I'm hoping at some point to do that. That's great. You mentioned the underwater sequence for breaststroke pullouts. It's a little bit different for everybody. Everybody's got a little bit different idea. What are you guys doing at Tsunami? Um, well, actually I have them play with it about doing the dolphin kick before or after. The one thing I do say is they have to be connected. You know, to uh, push off streamline, dolphin kick, weight, and then pull down diminishes. Because I believe um, that if you mesh the two together, like pull down, kick right away, um, you're increasing the force that you're getting compared to the sum of the individuals. So, you know, uh, so that's the thing. So we'll work on it. I'll tell them, uh, usually by the time they come up to my senior group, they know where they want to put it in. The bigger thing is I, I even have really good breaststrokers who, if I don't keep reminding them in practice, will tend to not do their dolphin kick off the walls. And it's like, you, you can't think that you're going to come off the walls when you're not thinking and forget the dolphin kick. And when you're in the stress of a 200 yard breaststroke that you're going to remember every time to do a great dolphin kick. So uh, you got to keep reminding them, you got to keep your eyes on what they're doing. Yeah, you know, one thing that I, I've tried to think about a lot is, you know, how can we use some of these new rules to our advantage? A great underwater pullout in breaststroke, fair to say, can mitigate maybe a weaker breaststroker inside of the IM, especially the 400 IM short course. Right. Well, both short course. I don't think it's going to make that great a difference long course. Um, you, you know, they once asked uh, Steve Lundquist, you know, why, you know, he was a great 200 yard breaststroker, but not so much 200 meter. He was much more just 100 meters. And he looked at everybody and he goes, look, when I'm in a 200 yard breaststroke, I'm swimming about 80 yards. When I'm in 200 meters, I'm swimming 120 meters. That's a big difference. So, um, but I agree. And, you know, uh, of course I'm coaching young people that are looking to go to college. So one of the other reasons we do all the strokes 
I always tell them, you got to think of it like being a used car salesman. The more options you can give on the car, the better it's going to be selling. So if you can swim, fly, uh, free, and I am, that does you a lot better. And short course, you definitely could utilize a great underwater from your walls to make up if you don't have great breaststroke feet naturally. Are there anything that, that your program does, Ira, that focuses on flexibility through the legs and through the feet? Is it a dryland component or flexibility that you incorporate? Um, we haven't at this point, especially the last two years with COVID. Um, I talk to the swimmers individually. Um, I, you know, I, uh, I had very poor plantar flexion when I swam. One reason I couldn't do a lot of good freestyle. Um, so I had to learn to sit on my ankles to get that stretch. I had no problem sitting with my feet out. That's why I was a breaststroker. Um, Dick Jokums was once giving a talk on uh, distance swimming. And at the end, he said, oh, and I'll tell you, because I'll probably be talking next year about breaststroke, how to be a great breaststroke coach. Stop all the new swimmers as they're walking in. Look down and see if it looks like you can't tell if they're going right or left. Put them in the water and see if they have fast feet. And if they do, you're a great breaststroke coach. <laughs> um, so it but helps when uh, Tom Wilkins and Kurt Grote walk through yeah. your doors too. Yeah, it does. It definitely. And and so, um, but for the swimmer that's having a problem with it, um, I'll tell you know I'll take them aside and I'll show them how to do the sit and how to do it slowly. Just trying to work better flexibility coming out. Um, you, you know, I've seen some of the stuff from way before when Joseph Naj coached uh, Mike Barrowman, and I looked at some of the things he did, and it's like, I, I, I just can't tell my swimmers to do some of those things because I'm just seeing injury after injury. It worked for Barrowman great, but um, I, I feel you have to be a little concerned about the different exercises and what it might mean to different swimmers. Absolutely. You know, Ira, one of the things that we see with a lot of age group swimmers who eventually transition to the senior level, you know, your 15 to 18 year olds, we see a lot of overuse injury in the shoulders with some adolescent athletes. In your opinion, do you think that training IM, because it's using, as you mentioned earlier, so many different muscle groups in that shoulder, it's actually part of the injury prevention and the overall program of what you're doing? It is, um, you know, and I didn't mention that earlier, but uh, I believe that like when you see that overuse of freestyle and the shoulders are slumped forward, um, you, you know, and not that we don't have our uh, injuries, but most of my injuries come from physical education classes in middle school <laughs> where they trip while they're trying to play soccer. Um, we don't have as much with shoulder injuries. And I really believe that the people that can swim I am and train I am and work the different strokes have it a little bit easier uh, and less, less uh, chances of shoulder injury, injury from overuse. I'm gonna go through a list of names here. Um, and, and I want you to maybe give some thoughts on these athletes and, and some of the things that they did really well in the I am. So the, the first name that I wanna give you um, I think everybody will remember Tom Dolan. What's something that you noticed in his approach that, that separated him? For me, it was just a pure tenacity to love racing. Um, but I, I'm so interested to hear your opinion. 
Actually, um, and I would put Eric Vent in that same he was category. Be my next name. All right, and um, and I would tell any coach who doesn't know about it, if you want to see the greatest 400 IM race of all time, it was Summer Nationals in Fort Lauderdale, Michael Phelps and Eric Vent. <clears throat> and if you want to I teach- I was on the pool deck. <laughs> so was I. And standing like everybody else, flipping, two guys flipping dead even, great friends between the two of them. And if you can get the films of that and show underwater- um, The last wall. The last wall and how Michael Phelps won it on that last wall. And you have to train that. That doesn't just happen. Um, I happen to have been privileged to uh, be the coach of the junior national team back when Eric Vent was on that team. He was still a high school. But as you said, 400 IM is for most swimmers, uh, and it's even more so than the turn of fly. You have to want it. You have to love it. You have to believe you're tougher than everybody else. Um, you can build that into a lot of the swimmers in the way you build your program, the way that um, you know Dick Schulberg has done over the years. Uh, so that they're not going up, going, I'm afraid of swimming this. What happens if I die? You're not going to die. You do 2,000 uh, IM sets, uh, 2,000 yard. Why would you die in a 200 IM or a 400 IM? But um, I, I totally agree. Uh, of course, um, I did a camp once at Colorado Springs and Tom Dolan, again, young, he was like 17 years old. And we, first day, we're at altitude. Um, it's doing hundreds on the 130. And Tom looks up and says, can I do these butterfly? And we said, all right. And he held like 107s at altitude on his first day at altitude, hundreds fly on the 130, a long course. <laughs> so th that's, that's who he was. That's inside. And so it wasn't that he was a great backstroker or breaststroker. I think your top 400 IMs right now, uh, you know, whether it's uh, uh, Kalis or even uh, Carson Foster, they're better in all the strokes than what you saw 20 years ago from a lot of those other swimmers. When I watched Ryan Lochte and, you know, I was very fortunate to be on deck for a lot of the meets in the last two quads. I just saw so much athleticism uh, in that athlete. Is that fair to say? It's just he was so yes. strong in all four strokes. He, he was, um, you know, his, his main club coach through his career was his dad. I, uh, you know, he was an exceptional coach. And um, the first time I saw uh, Ryan swim, he was a high school senior. We we're at Minneapolis uh, Nationals. And um, he went uh, his best time of 358 in the uh, 400 free, a negative splitting. And that's when you see the athlete in somebody, both the composure and the ability to what he does. Um, he, he is an exceptional athlete. Uh, I'm sure if he had chosen a different sport, he would have excelled in that as well. Um, and, and again, somebody who is exceptional in all the strokes. He was a great backstroker, you know, and um, in his day, right up there, Michael, him, I don't know that in my lifetime, I'll ever see two IMers like that again at the same time. Well, and, and it brings us to Michael, you know, at the, the pinnacle. When you think of a guy like Eric Vent, you know, Tom Dolan was the king of swimming when I was growing up. You think of a guy like Eric Vent, you think of a guy like Lochte. They were world, they were the best two 400 IMers in the world. 
if not for these two superhumans, right? You know, um, and and what are the things that you think separated Phelps? Is it the training? Uh, you know, just incredible race mindset, the, the the willingness to go beyond in, in a lot of different it, capacities. Um, I, and I agree. It, it's you know, forty years ago, you could get somebody just to work hard enough to make the Olympic team. That doesn't happen these days. You got to work hard enough and have the talent to be there. Um, because 40 years ago, we had maybe 80,000 swimmers and now we have 350,000 swimmers. But uh, I remember one of the talks that Bob Bowman gave and he talked about how when Michael was 12 years old, he realized that his real weakness was breaststroke. And so he just worked on his breaststroke, I guess, to be the best I am or possible. Um, I've turned to a lot of 12 year olds and said, okay, your weakness is breaststroke. Let's work on it. No coach. I'm not a good breaststroker. That's okay. I'll just swim backstroke. <laughs> you know, that's the difference. Um, I I've watched him race. I never did get to see him train, but I've heard Bob talk about it. Um, I, I think what you found was, um, you, you know, whether it's like an Usain Bolt or a Pele who finds the, just the right sport for themselves. He had the talent. He had the drive. He had the willingness. He, you know, he did the work. He had the coach, um, and, and it just all came together to make him the greatest of all time. Um, there are a lot of people out there, even really good ones right now, who could try to repeat everything he's done, but might just not have that little something extra that makes a Biondi who he was, a Mark Spitz who he was. You know, we're not all built the same <laughs> talk ira a little bit about the fact that if you want an opportunity for your athlete who's pretty talented and works hard you want an opportunity for them to get some second swims at juniors at nationals at trials even 205 400 im 800 mile are, are good opportunities and that doesn't mean that those are going to be the events that that athlete swims the rest of their life but it can be a gateway Right. We hear a lot of stories about, uh, you know, Tom Yeager, he, he, his first junior cut was in the mile. Uh, yes. so, so it's important for young athletes, no matter how scary or how how big an event seems, it's important to get experience in everything. Um, it, it is. And I, I agree with you, even on the local J.O. we call flags. Um, the local age group championships, the local senior championships. Um, it's easier to get a second swim coming down in the 400 AM, 200 fly. Um, what I tell the swimmers is, um, you know, you have 100 swimmers swimming the freestyle. You have 80 swimmers swimming the backstroke. You might have 50 swimmers swimming breaststroke, but you only have 25 swimmers swimming butterfly. You know, when you're going like for a senior kid, uh, 13 and over 200 fly. Um, so if you're willing to do that, you know, that'll get you steps into that level of swimming quicker. Um, you're a young boy and you want to get to junior nationals and you're 14 years old. You better be either already six foot five or be training for the 1500, right? Because, um, you know, just take a look. You saw, you know, turn a backstroke at the wave one, I think had uh, five 16 year old boys in it. Okay. But when you were looking at, uh, wave two with the 100 backstroke, uh, there weren't any 16-year-old boys in there, right? There were just 20-year-old men, um, you know, and of course, it's a little different for the males versus the females, but um, 
but if they if your swimmers want to take that step we that's why we're a very and i say i'm not a distance program i'm an aerobic program all right uh 200 400 500 free are important events to us but by doing i am and being aerobic in nature you know in our practice we can take swimmers up to the 1650 1500 i can train swimmers down to the 100 all right um i believe that your smallest population are the true 50 sprinters you know the people that extend themselves up to the 100 <laughs> but um you know even though everybody wants to swim the 50 you know they'll go well i'm only two seconds away from my cut in the 50 free <laughs> and it's like yeah and but you're three seconds away to your cut in your 200 free yes but that's three seconds versus two seconds so getting them to realize that you got to look at the overall distance um, and, and like as a coach, like I said, I can bring them down or when they get to college and they start doing more work in the weight room, using the walls better um, by having more power off the walls, uh, then they'll come down. And they'll be more of that 100, 200, 50, 100 swimmer if that's where their talents lie. Um, but I would also say that I think what hurts us in meters um, when you figure that we had somebody go 342 um, in 2008, and we didn't even have two guys under the A cut in 2021, um, I, I think the weight room hurts us uh, long course. I'm really interested in that. And it's something that those of us who are still, and I hate to use the phrase a little bit more old school, we, we are a, a higher volume program here in Western New York. Um, but when you think about that, when you think about the fact that we had to look at what the FINA A cut time was at our Olympic trials, I think it says a little bit about the way we're training and the way training's evolving. And not that that's a bad thing, but it's just different now. When we look at NCAAs and I look at the 500 free and I tell my seniors, hey, look, if, if you think you're going to score at NCAAs, you got to start thinking about being 412. Yes. And you, you think about that at the 500 and, you, and you're saying that is unbelievably fast. We have three or four guys at every NCAAs now under 410. But it's not necessarily translating to the 400 free. Talk, talk to me a little bit about that. Well, you're exactly right. It's uh, when you take a look at the uh, improvement short course over the last 30 years now, um, and you compare that to the improvement long course and, and specifically our improvement in the US versus the countries that basically only focus long course. Um, I, I believe you'll see um, that you know, there are times when we feel really good because we have a Michael Phelps and we have a Ryan Lochte and now we have a Katie Ledecky. But what we, if you take a look at eighth place, 10th place, 16th place, we're really not keeping up. We might be getting, looking like we're faster, but when, um, you know, I, I remember when 135 was a great time, uh, you know, in short course at NC2As, but at the same time, 146 was the time you were looking at long course. course. Um, and when you take a look at how many guys we have going way under 135, you even have guys who are now breaking 130, but we're still not 
going to 142 that Michael went at one point um, and we're stuck at 144 with just two or three guys. So it's it just, we're not doing enough of the training we need because to me, long course, every race except for the 50s are aerobic races. Can't hide. Right. And when you take a look and I'm going way back to, uh, you, you know, the eighties, um, your best hundred meter freestylers were some of your best 200 yard freestylers that the hundred yard freestylers from the eighties on, uh, if that was their extension 50, hundred, and that was it. Um, they're not the people necessarily that are going to be there. Um, if they're not doing the aerobic training. And, and I think a great, example of that is uh looking at michael andrews i mean great swimmer fantastic uh trials you know he'll hopefully represent us and win the medals that he definitely deserves but with all that talent he still doesn't translate up because when he was an age grouper doing usrpt um my belief is that he was training for the for the 50s and short course hundreds and not looking at the extension that he needed, uh, like a guy like Lochte and Phelps, and they all got training from the 200s and then coming down as they got older. Absolutely. One thing that I think we can talk about while we're on this subject is, you know, if Mary T were swimming in this trials, she would have made the team in the 200 fly. Yeah. And when Mary T swam and swam for uh, Pursley, um, there was a story about uh, they were going to have morning practice, afternoon practice, and I think it was going a 3,000 butterfly. And if she did it without breaking stroke, she had the afternoon off. And the rest of the team said, well, what about us? And it was like, well, anybody who does it, and they had like most of the team go a 3,000 fly without breaking stroke, all right, so they get the afternoon off. I'd love to see a team that's able to do that today. I mean, I wish I could say we could do that. I can't do that. If I have them going uh, three 200s fly and they don't break stroke, and especially, I mean, I have to give them their own lane. Every time they go to pass somebody, even though our lanes are fairly good size, oh, got to take a single arm fly stroke. So, so it's a different mentality of the way we're training them. Think also that at the same time or earlier in 76, um, Bobby Hackett and Brian Goodell were like 1501, 1502, and yet 15 minutes made our Olympic team, um, which being the aerobic coach I am, and <clears throat> one of my swimmers was fourth, I found a bit disappointing. I really thought we'd have five guys under 15 minutes, and it takes something like 1448 to make the team. It's pretty extraordinary, you know, and, and I know that there are a lot of coaches thinking about how we can make some of those breakthroughs. Um, you know, in, in the old days, and when you talk to Coach Schubert, and you talk about the animal laying back at Mission Viejo, uh, you think about some of the things that Coach Schulberg did at GA. Um, you know, th there's a lot of misinformation out there, I think, about that type of training. You know, you can still have a really high benefit, injury-free, with volume, and it might not be the most fun training, but work works in a lot of situations. So, you know, you've, you've been involved in the sport for many years now. Why do you think some of this philosophy is, is changing so dramatically when it comes to thinking about the way that we work? Um, 
you know, and I didn't mention earlier, but when I talked about Schoberg, Mark Schubert was probably one of the other really big influences on me in terms of training I am and how to do it. Um, and I will, as I get into this, just when we're talking about the way they trained, he talked one time and I picked up on it about a challenge set. And it was Jesse Fasalio going uh, nine 400 IMs. And it was sets of three 400 IMs long course with a little easy swimming in between. And I think the last three were on 450 long course. And he made it, right? Um, and I used that idea, you know, myself. I've done it, I am. I used it once with um, my uh, swimmer, Trip Schwank, who um, uh, swam for me in the 80s here in Sarasota. And right we did a big, and he was the American record holder, silver medal in 96 and 2000, or 92 and 96. Um, at 16, he was fourth at the trials in 88 with me. We did a set of nine 200s backstroke. And the last three for him were on two minutes. And he basically was going 157, 200 yard backstroke on two minutes, three times in a row. And I looked at him and I said, I don't think there's another person in the country that could do that. I think you could win nationals. He went on to go 146. You got to remember, this is when we were still touching the wall in backstroke. And by the way, his kids swim to me today. So nice. Um, but going back, it, I think there's two problems that we see. And when you go to the 70s, a great book by uh, Chuck Warner, uh, you, you know, about um, the development of distance swimming in the world. And he talked about Steve Holland and Brian Goodell and Bobby Hackett. And, and so he, um, in the 70s, um, we got into a high volume idea, like who's going the most volume. I'm not saying that needs to be the way to go, but the swimmers weren't afraid to attack what they were doing. Some people did go overboard on it. You know, you don't need to go 30,000 a day, but, um, but it was an idea of how can we be better than the guy next to me? Or what did, you know, Goodell do this week? And how do I do that? Um, I think today, first of all, uh, society is different. And get, like, I'm fortunate. I have a great group of boys who challenge themselves. I got, and they challenge each other. And it starts with uh, my swimmer, T.C. Smith, who's at Louisville, and he's now on the open water national team. And, and when you talk about tenacity, making you a good swimmer, that's T.C. But, um, and he created this environment where the, the swimmers, you know, what can we do more tomorrow than we did today? How can we do it harder tomorrow than we did today? That's a hard thing to get in a program. And when you're looking at the fact that this isn't just coaching, because in the 70s, the majority of coaches were part-time coaches and were teachers or, you know, were worked the deli counter at the local supermarket. They did something else, you know, with a great program out of Jersey, um, the guy was a uh, construction, you, you know. So um, today, the coaches, it's their full-time job. They need to keep swimmers in the pool. And if the guy down the block it was willing to do easier practices, even though he's not getting uh, the same results, um, then I'm going to have swimmers go, well, let me see what that's like. And so I don't feel we have enough programs looking to do the work, have the information. And we didn't have the internet back then. Um, we didn't have, we, if we corresponded, 
uh, it was by email or not email. It was by letters, handwritten letters. You know, we'd mail back and forth. We had a thing going when Terry was still coaching and I was coaching. Uh, and then we had one or two other guys involved and we would, he would send me a set and a letter. I would send, put a set below it, mail it to the next guy and the next guy. And we would go around like that. Um, when I was in Illinois and John Leonard was coaching at Lake Forest back then, Bill Levine was uh, at BR Ryle and uh, you had the turtles with Mick Nelson. We would get together for practices. We would meet in Chicago and put our kids in and put all the distance swimmers in together and really push them and, and see how fast they could go. And back then I, you know, I had a 12 year old girl, uh, Bridget Bowman go 451 as a 12 year old, this is 1982 or 83. I mean, that would, people, eyes would pop out today if I had somebody doing that. Um, just a different attitude towards sports in general, um, trying to get the swimmers to dedicate uh, by the time they're like a girl, by the time she's 12, 13, but for the boy, by the time he's about to go into high school, you gotta be doing this program. Um, you know, they, well, I'll do it, but you know, Wednesday nights, my club night and Saturday mornings, I like to sleep in. So that's why I think you see just a handful, I say handful, maybe 200, 250 clubs that are able to create the right environment to make it work. No doubt. One of the things that I was excited to ask you about today, you know, as an ASCA board member, one of the things that's most important to me is that we help young coaches find mentors. You know, you, I, I'm interested to hear your opinion on that. You know, I was very fortunate as you were to start my coaching career in the Metropolitan LSC. So working for Larry Van Wagner, I would stand next to Robbie Ortoff at meets. I would go and ask John Collins what he was doing. I would visit Dave Ferris every chance I got. I was able to be around a lot of these great coaches. Why is it so important for young coaches to find a good mentor? Um, and the mentor doesn't have to be somebody much older than you. When I was a young coach um, starting out, and uh, you mentioned Dave Ferris, and he, we were actually already coaching a couple of years when he first came in. And then Scott Colby was in the area at the same time. And Thursday nights, kids hated Friday morning practice. Thursday night was we'd meet at a place called the Treehouse on Long Island. Um, it's where I learned about Long Island iced tea. Um, but uh, we would have, you know, beers and scallops wrapped in bacon and talk about what hard sets we went that week. And of course, we all went in Friday morning going, okay, they went 12-100s on the 110, so we're going to go 12 on the 108, <laughs> you know, and just always pushing. Um, and to realize, because I didn't swim club, all right? I, I started swimming when I was in college. Um, and summers, I swam for Dick Rimpecki out of St. John's at the ITP program, intensive training. Not that I belong there, but myself and Ortop and uh, two other uh, guys from our team at Queens College, and we would go great guy we passed away recently um and but coming out i i needed to learn terry laughlin was a great inspiration to me uh, i miss my friend a lot we um and i think he was an inspiration to the sport and as a whole but i find that uh there's very few coaches who aren't willing to give you the time of day if you have a question um, and my first uh, trials was the trials of 80 um, that I didn't have any swimmers. It's like, okay, I need to go there and watch. 
Uh, I want to see what these guys are. I was able back then it was easier. I was able to be on deck. Um, I would go in the morning uh, to warm up from the very beginning and sit there and listen to the coaches and talk with a Paul Bergen, uh, Mark Schubert, um, you, you know, uh, George Haynes, uh, and, you know, look at what they're doing, um, watch them. Uh, Terry and I would go when uh, Schubert would bring his team through New York and they're training at Columbia um, for an international trip. We would go sit upstairs, watch. When the Olympic team went to, uh, was going to Montreal in 76, um, we, they were training at West Point. We went up to West Point to watch practice. And um, it's always amazed me because like there's one year where um, USA Swimming uh, Convention was in Burlingame, which mm -hmm. is by st the airport right by Stanford. Yep. And we had asked Richard and Skip if it was okay to um, come by. And they go, yeah, we have an open deck, open practice. You're more than welcome. So it was Pat Hogan, myself, I think Scott Colby. Um, and we go, we better get there early. It's going to be packed. There's nobody else there. You know, I, and I don't feel coaches go out of their way to try to see these things or learn. Um, when I had two swimmers um, swimming at USC when I was coaching in Santa Barbara, and I had called Mark up and said, is it all right if I come down and watch a practice? And he says, of course. And I came down and he spent the entire time with me and explained what they were doing, if I had questions. And at the end, I said, well, I, th I thanked him profusely for allowing it. And I said, I... I imagine you've got to be getting these like at least once or twice a week. He'd been there a couple of years and he goes, Ira, you're the first one. <laughs> how do you not go if you could watch Mark Schubert coach? How do you not go to learn that? I always felt that's something that should be, rather than just having a talk, I want to watch Dave Salo tra train breaststrokers and see what he does. That, and going someplace to learn that, that's what you need. But also, if you haven't gotten to junior nationals, find a way to get yourself at a junior national meet or whatever the next level is, because you have to see yourself at that level and set your goals. And that's one thing being around John Collins and Joe Brunell, uh, Murray Stevens, Dick Schulberg, uh, uh, Pete Malone uh, and, and Salo and, and talking to them uh, at one point, both before and especially while I was uh, working at USA Swimming, um, they believed that they could put somebody on the Olympic team. They always believed that. And so they're always there going, okay, so so-and-so made the team. Who's next in my pool that I can teach and get to that level? Um, and uh, one other thing that I wanted to mention, because we're talking about I am here. When you talk to all your top-end programs, whether it's a Carmel, whether it's a Mission Viejo, Nova, uh, Nova Virginia, um, you, you know, any of them. You look at the teams that are gold medal and silver medal teams. And if you talk to those coaches, because we did that, the vast majority, two things, they train IM and they kick hard. Those are two things that go across the board. All right. Um, and that's something I think every young coach, you want to be successful make sure those two things are part of your program. I love it. And, you know, we were very fortunate here on Coach's Corner to have Ron Aiken on this year, to have Brett Arkey on this year, you know, and, and those are things that those guys definitely do. 
Were you excited to see the level of club success at this Olympic trials? Uh, you, you know, I was, but I, I would also caveat that, that the change of what happened, um, you, you know, and, and I know Ron because I coached in Las Vegas. He was a young coach back then. He does a great job, very big in open water, very aerobic in his program. Um, you know, Brent's right down the road from us. And, um, and you know, I, I was sitting there watching the race as the beginning. Rowdy's a friend of mine, but it's like they mentioned Emma as an afterthought. Yep. And I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. She's the fastest American in the last two years in the event. And they're talking about Melanie's breaststroke. It's like, but she's a breaststroker and a 408, a 400 freestyler. And, and, and she swam the race right. All right. Where I think in both the men's and the women's, you had people overswim that hundred fly feeling I got to get out in front. You can do that short course because you got a lot of walls, but you can't do that long course. But um, but you're exactly right. You got a lot of coaches out there. The club coach clubs were very well represented here, but I think you had a little bit more because of the problem of not having the 2020. I think if it would have been 2020, um, Texas would have been more on top of it. Um, you know, the club still would have been good, but it wouldn't quite have been the same. Coach, you know, you've, you've been on the ASCA board, former vice president of USA Swimming. What are you most excited about for the future of the sport in this country? Um, I actually, I'll do the opposite. I'll tell you what I'm most worried about, all right? And what I'm most worried about is the representation of coaches uh, within USA Swimming. And that, you, you know, we, um, they're looking to, you know, go along with the Ted Stevens Act uh, to create the right number of athletes. But the bottom line is that um, if the athletes left tomorrow, we would go out, find more athletes, create them. It might take us a little while. Um, if all the, and we, we can't run our meets without volunteers, but if all the volunteers left, we'd go out and find more. But if all your coaches left, all right, um, you would have a, a, a void that you couldn't fill because there would be nobody for them to learn from. See, we as the coaches teach everything. And to sit back and see things where I feel both coaches and I feel that the club teams as a whole are, there's a dichotomy in swimming, in USA swimming, because you have that international part up here and you got the club part up here. And this is 1%, this is 99.9%, .9%, all right? Um, and yet the vast, to me as a club coach, who's worked at USA Swimming, I would tell you that right now, the vast majority of the focus and resources are up here and not over here. And without this, you don't have a 15-year-old making the Olympic team in the 1500 or the 800, whatever it was. You don't have any of those swimmers without this. Every one of those swimmers on our Olympic team came out of one of these programs. And so my concern is that, um, we're going, you know, we're going in the wrong direction. Um, we need more coaches on the boards of USA Swimming. Um, we need a guarantee of coach representation at our House of Delegates, unless we want to totally separate the two. And like USA Diving has done. And whether it's a separate group within USA Swimming, separate from what's going on here, or it's not USA Swimming. 
That's but, exactly um, right. And and as a voting delegate the other day, I, I appreciated your thoughts getting on that call. Um, and I would tell you that now I'm not a nominee for the board after that, uh, which I expected. But um, and but it's you know what I'm most excited about though on the other side we have a lot of great young coaches, a lot of great young coaches coming up. Um, and uh, and I say young because to me right now young is anything under the age of fifty. <laughs> it's like I, I turn around. All right, I used to be one of those guys, <laughs> but um, you, you know, and I have no uh, expectations of retiring anytime soon. I still love what I do. I I enjoy seeing that twelve year old break a minute for the first time, short course in a hundred free. All right, I still get a kick out of seeing the smile on somebody's face so no doubt about it and that's why you're a perfect guest for coach's corner coach ira klein we appreciate your time today thank you so much my pleasure thank you for the opportunity